You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Wow, what a gorgeous Monday. And uh, it's even brighter a day when you consider what happened Saturday afternoon, early evening at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Alabama puts on a 27-0 run in the second half and ends up beating Tennessee by a score of 34-20. I was elated. Nick Saban was elated. How did Lars Anderson feel? Impressive. Impressive performance. I mean, I, if I had been in the press box covering this game, I would have been in the middle of writing the obituary on the 2023 Alabama season. And uh, it got resuscitated in a major way. And you know what? Seeing Nick Saban at halftime uh, talking to the CBS sideline reporter, Matt, he just exuded confidence. He, I, I, it was, it was the, it was the craziest thing. He exuded confidence, like, "Hey, we, we're, we're, we're fine. We got this. We, we need to just uh, uh, alter a few things." And, and then when he got to the locker room, and, and, and Nick Saban recounted this to reporters after the game, he just told the, the team, "Everybody's got a choice. You got a choice to make. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? Everybody's got to choose what they want." And well, apparently, they chose the right choice <laughs> they, they made the right decision they came out yeah. and it was it was just uh, it was remarkable uh the uh the the adjustments that alabama made uh and uh, we'll, we'll get deeper into that and we'll also talk about uh tua versus jalen uh last night uh jalen uh, hurts just put on a, a great show and a lot a lot, a lot of stuff to get into today Indeed, there is, and we thought since Nick Saban, Alabama, is off this week and is right now, he's at the podium downtown Birmingham at the quarterback club, but we thought you might like to catch up on what he said after the Tennessee win. Well, obviously a pretty fun second half. Uh, Really proud of our players. Uh, When I walked in at halftime after they scored right before the half, I said everybody here has got a choice, got a choice to make. Um, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? Um, everybody's got to choose what they want. And we went out and scored in two plays on the second in the second half in the first drive on offense and changed the momentum of the game and you know played really well from that time on. And you know Tennessee's got a really good team and you know I'm really proud of our players for the way they competed in the game and came back and the way they took care of business in the second half. But. Um, you know, we got a bye week coming up, so probably need to get a little rest for some of our guys. And um, but you know, we got more business to take care of in the future. But uh, for right now, everybody should enjoy this. It's a it's a great win for us. We had a great atmosphere in the stadium. Our fans were fantastic. They had a huge impact on the game in terms of the penalties at the end of the game and not allowing them to score. Um, so I just can't tell you how pleased and proud I am with everybody in the organization uh, who puts a lot into it uh, so that we can you know, have games like this, have atmospheres like this, uh, and have the opportunity to compete like this for our players. So uh, really, really proud of our team. And it was a great team win. I mean, you know, 27 to nothing in the second half was um, pretty good offense and uh, really good defense. That fourth down stop in the, I think it was the third quarter, uh, I guess a good rushing offense. What was the key there? What were some of the the points that you guys made to the defense? Are you talking about the one in the second half? Yeah. Yeah, well, we we had a... uh, 
You know, they like to get in bunch, so, you know, we had a kind of a check defense to go to, to get in like a gap eight with two double edges and four-spoke secondary to try to roll if they brought the ball to the perimeter. So the guys up front just knocked them back. I mean, and that was a huge stop in the game. Had a two fourth down stops in the game. were really huge. Nick, you kind of hit on it in your opening statement, but why was it important for you to run over to the fans and thank them for their performance out there today? Well, I know how much it means to, you know, our fans, uh, this game, the rivalry of this game, Tennessee, but uh, I also wanted to thank them because of, you know, what a great job they did, the impact that they had on the game, the atmosphere on the game. Uh, I think it kept the energy level up you know, for our team and kept the momentum rolling in the second half for us. So it was fantastic. And I wish I could thank each one of them personally. Charlie, you mentioned the second half of the defense. Just what was maybe the biggest adjustment, if at all, that you guys made? Yeah, well, you know, in the beginning of the game, we were trying to play odd because we were really trying to stop the run. And, um, you know, they hit the big pass. We were an odd kind of didn't play the coverage exactly right, but uh, for, you know, the first touchdown. But, um, you know, as the game went on, we started playing a little more even, started playing things that we, you know, had played in the past. And I think the players did a really good job. It helped us rush the passer better. Um, so, you know, did a, the players just did a good job of adapting. We got a better four-man rush out of it and played – you know, more of the kind of coverages that we normally play with four-man rushing rather than eight drops. Coach, this team continues to find ways to win and battle back from adversity. What has it been like for you as a coach to kind of watch them go through this journey week to week? Oh, I love it. You know, it's been great. The challenges are great. I enjoy coaching this team. Um, uh, that's not to say that they're taking years off of my life. But I'm okay with that. Um, so, but uh, it's it's fun because they've got a good spirit about them. We got good relationships on our team. I think the players legitimately care about each other, and um, you know they respond well to to their coaches. So it's really fun to coach them. I don't think we sometimes show the maturity from a competitive standpoint to do everything on a consistent basis, which is what we keep trying to work work toward. Uh, but I'll tell you, eight, eight weeks in a row uh, and the grind that we've had the last four or five weeks, you know, with the games in our league, um, I, I think psychologically we probably had a little bit of a tired team, you know, out there at the beginning of the game. And uh, I think the momentum of the game gave them the energy they needed to play the way they could, they, they were capable of playing. Coach, I know we've heard Jalen tell us that we're not, you guys are not a finished product. What, what does a win like this show for you from, from your team, especially the defense, the whole Tennessee scoreless in the second half there? Well, it's great the way we played in the second half, but, you know, you could make an argument that we weren't a finished product in the first half, um, you know, really on either side of the ball. So, but I, I do think the resiliency that the players sort of show, their ability to overcome adversity, you know, them scoring like right at the end of the half, um, you know, us have an opportunity to score and 
turning it over. And then they go down the field and they score right before the half. So it was a big swing. I mean, from a momentum standpoint. So it takes a lot of resiliency, a lot of perseverance from those players to bounce back from that because it was a horrible way to end the first half. And they did a fantastic job of it. And I uh, can't say enough about the competitive spirit that they have um, when they when they need to have it. Chase right here. Chase, we should be. Coach, Tennessee came into the game number one in the league in rushing. Their lead back was 11 for 22 on the ground. How big a role did the run defense overall play in getting this win? Oh, I think it was important. I mean, they still hurt us at times with the quarterback runs. You know, quarterback draws a couple times. They had a couple perimeter plays with the quarterback. Um, and he's a good player. He's a big guy. He's fast. He's a very good athlete. And that creates another gap, you know, for you to have to play, which one of, was one of the reasons we wanted to play odd, you know, so that we could play not only their runs but his runs better. But we didn't feel like we were playing coverage the way we needed and getting the rush that we needed. So, um, but... You know, they gained 230 yards rushing last week. I don't know what they gained today, but uh, I know it wasn't that much. Right. So it was a pretty good job. We saw Terry and Arnold leave the game in the, in the second half. What, what was wrong with him? And then also, what did you see from Trey Amos replacing him? Trey played well, played really well. Made some really good plays. Uh, was very aggressive in coverage. Uh, had a couple pass breakups. Um, on the sack, the sack fumble for a touchdown. If the guy would have thrown the ball, he double-clutched it. I think Trey Amos was going to intercept it. It was right in front of me. And he double-clutched it and pulled it back, and that's when Braz knocked out of his hand. So um, I thought he played really, really well. Terrion um, has a slight concussion, uh, so we, we thought he didn't clear protocol. So the thing that you do is you don't play the guy. And uh, that's for safety reasons, and hopefully in a few days he'll clear. Right back. Coach, I want to ask you about your quarterback, and you talk about the point guard, but it seemed like he didn't take short runs, but then third quarter, fourth quarter, he took those runs. Is that what you like seeing out of him? Yeah. You know, I thought Jalen played really well in the game, especially in the second half. Uh, we missed a couple reads in the first half on the runs, the quarterback runs. Um, but he did a much better job in the second half. I think you got to get a feel for how the guy's playing you. Uh, it's a little bit like if you are playing point guard and the guy's sloughing off, you shoot a three. You know, if he's guarding you close, you drive around him. So, uh, but when you're reading the defensive end on some of this stuff, I think that's you got to get a feel for it. And I think once that that happened in the game, he he did a really good job and he made some really key runs. The one scramble for a first down was big. But the thing that we emphasize with them against these guys because they have really good edge rushers, you got to step up in the pocket on the touchdown pass. You know, starting the second half, edge pressure, stepped up in the pocket and threw the ball, stepped up in the pocket on a couple of those runs. All right, so um, that that was – and that's something that he used to do really well. So um, I, I, I thought he made some really key plays today. Two finish, Cody. Talked about the adjustments that the defense made from first half second. Were there similar adjustments that the offense made, or what do you think was the difference in the offensive execution? No, I, I really think, you know, offensively, the shot that we took was a planned play, the touchdown, uh, start the second half. Um, I don't think we ran different plays, a lot of different plays. I think we did a much better job of executing those plays. And, um, you know, we had a couple others that 
if we just finished blocks, would have been even even more productive. So, uh, but I thought Jason McClellan really ran hard in the game. Um, the guy's been beat up a little bit, but he's one of the toughest guys on our team, and certainly a great competitor the way he um, competed out there tonight. How has uh, Jahad Campbell continued to find a role for himself in the defense, and any update on Tresman Marshall? Tresman Marshall has like bruised ribs, and um, you know he didn't. You know I always ask the player, you know, you think you could play, and even though he was able to practice a little bit in a black jersey, uh, which means nobody can hit you. So he can move around decent enough, but every time he'd bump somebody, it was a problem. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, in two weeks, uh, he'll be okay. But, um, you know, he's been a really good competitor for us. And, you know, those three guys have rotated, you know, uh, 32's missed games, 17's missed games, 30 takes whoever's missing, he takes their place. Because 32 plays both spots. You know, he plays Mike and Money. So, Tresman usually plays um, Mike, and he plays Will, but he played Mike tonight, and 30 played Will. All right? You good? Appreciate y'all. Thanks so much. Fun day. That's what he opened with, and, and that's what he closed with. Apparently, Nick Saban... Had fun from halftime on in Alabama's 34-20 to 20 victory over Tennessee. We'll get into this in much more detail. Got a little baseball. Got a lot of NFL we're going to talk about. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Also, Tuscaloosa News sports writer Nick Kelly will join us in our second hour. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very mild afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny. The high today, 79. Fair tonight, the low 57. And we stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Afternoon highs between 78 and 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is indeed. Matt, Lars, Justin. Y'all gather around the radio real quick. Justin, I know I talked to you Saturday, and uh, so did uh, talk to Lars as well uh, about the game. But um, the one thing in post that I've seen a lot of Tennessee fans say is that the game was horribly officiated. Alabama, who came in, I think, with 53 penalties, had one for five. Um, was it miscited there, Lars? And then, Justin, you follow. Because, uh, man, the uh, social media platforms are abuzz, basically calling out the SEC officials for leaning towards Alabama. Yeah, I, it didn't – I. I didn't see anything too egregious, um, and uh, I was surprised at the uh, the manner in which the reporter asked Heupel the question. I mean, it was clearly a Tennessee-based reporter uh, just tossing him up the softball of, uh, you know, uh, why were the penalties so one-sided? Do you feel like the refs were fair or something to that effect? And uh and, and Heupel, to his credit, uh, I thought he answered it the right way, which was with silence. 
and you could tell that he was extremely upset about the officiating. But uh, like I said, I mean, I, I'm coming at this with pretty clear eyes, and I didn't see anything that was overly like I didn't see anything that was game changing. Put it that way. How, how about you, Justin? I'm yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you, Lars. Nothing super. Uh you said egregious, nothing terrible, nothing that decided the game. What decided the game was you came out in the second half and you didn't score a point. Um, so you, you can sit there in the press conference and be pouty. And also, I think it's it's very hypocritical of Tennessee fans to call out the um, the refs because I'm, the, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but I believe it was 11 penalties, 130 yards against Alabama last year in Neyland. Yeah. You didn't hear about it then. So I don't know why they want to bring it up. Yeah, and, and the thing is that that call that call last year absolutely changed the game, right? Definitely. Uh, and and, like, and if Heupel wants to be mad about something, he should be mad at himself for those just boneheaded fourth down calls. Punt the ball. Punt Dude. the ball. Yeah, not once but twice. And I, I was just again watching the game uh, from the comfort of my uh, living room with three screaming kids next to me. Um, I, I just uh, I was perplexed. You know, you got it, it, you're going against a really good defense, uh, and uh, you just don't want to give Alabama field position. And it was uh, it was head scratching to me, Matt. I'd like to open up the phones. I know we did this Saturday night, Justin, on our post-game show, but we talked a lot about it. So folks want to talk about that game, any others uh, upcoming off week, uh, Ole Miss and Auburn. It's 342-9904, area code 205-342-9904. A call did come up in that game that I was unaware of. And I asked my partners, Mark McGriff and Kerry Clark, Saturday night, if they'd ever heard of it. They had never heard of it. But the fair catch following, you know, on the Alabama kickoff, if one calls, all call. I didn't know that, Lars. Uh, yeah. Go into more explanation on that. Okay. Alabama kicked off to Tennessee. There are two deep backs, and Tennessee has two right along the goal line and actually the one that ended up catching the ball and returning it to about the 30 I think something like that uh, he did not call for a fair catch the guy to his right and in, in my opinion out of his peripheral vision evidently and I never saw this on tape either but the officials did they replayed it and they made the call in Birmingham I trust that but the other return man, potential return man, signaled for a fair cut, catch. Why, when the ball was clearly going on the other side of the field, I don't know. But if one calls for a fair catch, they both must abide. So he returned yeah. the kick, and that was a 15-yard penalty. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I missed that play. I, my apologies, oh. but uh, I, I've never heard of that. I've never, I didn't know that that Indeed. rule existed. I've never, I've, between the two of us, we've been watching college football a long time. And uh, I've, I've never seen that happen, nor even, I've never even considered it. Me, me either. Justin, you would be the first if you'd seen it or knew about it. What are your thoughts? I, yeah, I've never heard or seen that as well, but it's definitely been checked up on. So it, it is a rule. Um, and I believe 
I, again, I think I saw a quote of Josh Heupel reacting to it, and as angry as he was and pouty at the podium after the game, he did uh, concede that that was the right call. Um, I think he used the term like state of the law or like law. Um, he was still frustrated, but he, he conceded that one. Well, I understand his frustration. I don't even understand why it's a rule. Uh, one guy's on one side of the hash mark, one's on the other. Um, I'm, I, I guess I can understand it if it deceives the return team and you do it on purpose. Um, but how do you know if they're doing it on purpose? I guess you got to make the call every time. You know, and also there aren't many teams anymore that put two guys back deep. It's just it's it's one. Uh, that's that's strange. That's strange. Um, Matt, I did want to ask you, what was the difference in the play calling uh, by Tommy Reese in the second half as opposed to the first half? It, it, it seemed like that, that that everything just changed with. Uh, Tommy Reese's approach to attacking the Tennessee defense. I, th- I think the you start up front. I think the Alabama offensive line took the challenge, and what Alabama have 16 yards rushing in the first half, and then well over 100 in the second. Uh, I think that's where it started, and that doesn't necessarily mean his play calling. As far as his play calling is concerned, I thought he put. Jalen Milrow in the position to run the football a lot more and then of course he had the huge scramble too. I think he just said hey look it's okay in the RPO for you to be the R and I think in my opinion that was that was what changed it as far as his play calling. You? Yeah yeah uh, just more designed runs for Milrow I think uh, some more uh, simple pass plays on first down that kind of opened up the running game on second down uh, and just you know doing I, I, I hate to say that that we've been calling for this but it, it's this isn't rocket science you, get, you should you should you should you should design the game plan around the strengths of your quarterback. And that your quarterback, he, he he throws a beautiful deep ball. He a beautiful deep ball. He's athletic. I think maybe the best running quarterback that Alabama has had uh, in, since Nick Saban's been coach. And in uh, it just uh, in, in the first half, the offense seemed very vanilla, and the plays weren't designed around Jalen's strengths. Uh, and that was the result of the result of that is seven points. 130 yards or so in the second half is just a completely different story and uh you have to wonder if 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 nick saban talked to tommy reese at halftime or if he just sort of let tommy reese you know do his own thing but uh justin what what did you think what what was the reason in your mind why alabama was absolutely a different team in the second half I'm going to take a route that's a little bit different um, from you and Matt. I think it was just the defense finally took a stand. Instead of letting uh, drives get into the red zone quite easily and then stopping them there for field goals or even allowing those two touchdowns in the first half, they were actually just stopping them at uh, midfield. That's why we saw those fourth downs. We weren't letting them score. I think... I think the offensive play calling, although there was a slight change, I think it was just allowed to develop throughout the game, and we were finally seeing some of our receivers get open and um, and some of the run plays turn into more than just two or three yards. 
Hey, I want to get you guys' thoughts on the offensive line play, and let's uh, particularly shift over to the left side, the blind side, talk about that. We'll do it on the other side of the break. Also, take your phone calls at 205-342-9904. And, and another milestone for a Crimson Tide player at the NFL level, even though it came rather auspiciously. Uh, that's all coming up. You're listening to Big Dune Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, the gang is all here. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Justin Jones, our producer. And uh, you, our listeners, you can phone us in at 205-342-9904. And we'll get to Joseph in one second. But I caught this headline this morning. And former Alabama defensive back Kareem Jackson, who now plays with the Broncos, uh, was ejected from yesterday's game. It's really not all that new. He lives in the NFL fine closet. I think last week he got one for a record $49,000. Anyway, that caught my eye, but also what caught my eye was that Kareem Jackson was playing in his 200th game. You guys get that? 200 games in the collision-ridden National Football League. That's called durability, folks. Yeah, I remember Kareem uh, at at Alabama. He was a a really good young man to deal with, and um he ended up getting he was he, he was very very good at Alabama playing corner and safety kind of bouncing back and forth and I know in the NFL he's he's been more uh, of a safety but um yeah I mean picked in the first round in, in 2010 I think I think like 50 or 20th or so overall uh, he's had a, a wonderful career. I mean, he's obviously on his, I think, probably third contract. So um, he, he's done well. And uh, actually, now that I look at it, he's he's played a lot of corner uh, throughout uh, uh, his career. 
uh, and um, you know he started. He was with the uh, uh, started with the Texans. Uh, was with them in 2010 to 18, and, and is now with the Broncos. And he's an aggressive player. But but again, I, really? I don't know. I don't know, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> again, Matt. I don't know if you had any interaction with him, but uh, he, he no. was a really good good kid. And and uh, and, and Coach Saban absolutely loved him. Well, I can sure see why. But just to finish off this story, and again, I think interesting information, only three other Alabama Crimson Tide football players have notched 200-plus games. Um, they don't surprise me when I read their names, but I'm not going to convince you either that I would have uh, gotten them had given had been given this trivia question. One I might have, a longtime punter guy by the name of Chris Moore, uh, that was quite a bit ago. In fact, all these guys were kind of from the same era. Uh, Alabama had a tight end named Howard Cross oh, who yeah. played 200 games. Uh, I think a lot of them were the Dallas or, uh, well, no. Uh, I know Howard Cross, uh, Giants. Giants. Yeah, yeah, the Giants. The Giants. And then Cornelius Bennett, a linebacker playing 200 games. You know, I, I would have guessed John Hanna, but uh, I guess not. Offensive well, linemen do tend to run up a lot of games and a lot of times played. But anyway, yeah. I thought that was a very interesting story. Meanwhile, yeah. Joseph has dialed in 205-342-9904. Joseph. John Hanna. By the way, John Hanna played in 183 games. So pretty darn close. close there, Lars. Joseph, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. Can't complain. Great win for Alabama against the Tide. Can't complain. What are, what are your uh, your takeaways from the game? I'm going to say this. I want to start off leaving saying this. Under Nick Saban, the Saban era now, I, we can go back further, but under the Saban era, I believe Jalen Murrow has probably got to be the worst quarterback to ever start under Saban era. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's, Do you remember your call two that. weeks ago there, Joe? Oh, I wish, we had, ago, a, I wish you, we had a clip of it. <laughs> Two weeks ago, it, you were just singing it, his praises. Yeah. What well, changed? He's not a finished product yet. That's the only thing that's stopping me from doing him completely. But, man, I'm going to tell you, I just from watching him Saturday game, he missed some throws that he should have made, man. And it, it's kind of frustrating to watch because, you know, like Greg McElroy, A.J. McCarron, John Parker Wilson. I mean – those type of quarterbacks can make some of those throws that he's missing. I mean, and John Parker Wilson was on the lower end of Saban's beginning tenure at Alabama. I mean, Brody Cole could have made some of them throws that he was missing. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, I mean, this team right here that Alabama has this year is probably the second worst team Saban's ever had throughout his career. Hey, and Joseph, what's, what's Alabama's overall record and their record in the SEC? They're undefeated right now. And the only reason I said that they're second worst, if you look at talent-wise, from top to bottom, the only thing that was worse than them was when, Alabama, when Nick Saban's first two, they went 7-6. That 2010 team was talented. They were very talented. Yeah, they were. They, yep. they, they were very – and that's why I'm trying to tell you that this is probably the second worst saving team that he's ever he's ever had in this team. I have to well, say, Matt, I, I 
That's an interesting Joseph. question. That's an interesting question. Well, you know, I don't want to answer because I don't want to throw anybody else under the bus. But, <laughs> but Joe I, 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 continues I, to make mistakes. There's no question. And he did in the second half and the first half. The second half, he looked pretty spot on to me. And maybe not to this degree, but Joseph, Tom Brady made bad passes too, you know? I've never seen a quarterback play a game where they're 100% in passes. And if you want to criticize him for the bad throws, why don't you credit him for the good throws, too? Isaiah Barnes, that was a great throw. Isaiah yes. Barnes and, and Burton, them were great throws. Great throws. It is, it, it is a little baffling, Joseph, that uh, he is uh, absolutely deadly uh, with his accuracy when it comes to throwing the deep ball. I mean, he throws as good a deep ball as anyone in college football but you know he can't hit the the 10 yard out route and it, it, it's just uh uh you know there were there were times when the receiver was open i remember burton in particular is on the left side of the field and just uh runs like 10 yards up and right to the sideline and wide open and and uh, and jalen just air mailed it you know 10 yards he over his him. head he missed him bad yeah 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 and it's just like man <laughs> but then he'll come back and throw a dart, you know, 47 yards down the field to hit a guy in stride, Matt. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Some guys just got touch on the deep ball. Yeah. Yep. Not when you win 27, not when you score 27. They score nothing in the second half. I found nothing frustrating about that. That was a great finish. Most of that was running the football, uh, uh, scoring. Right. Okay, Joseph, thank you. And by the way, Alabama did win the game, and it's okay to point out some things that they did well. You know, you might want to put that in your quill, okay? <laughs> you make good grief. <laughs> you get the same thing on social media. You beat your rival. You cover the spread. You look great in the second half, and people want to still pick on people, you know? Tommy Reese is still the worst. Oh, God. I'm about to get cranked up here, Lars. I think maybe we should take a break or maybe you good. should pick it up from it. No, nah, we don't want a break. <laughs> but I, I do get, yeah. I do tire of Alabama winning games and playing really well. And then, and Joseph, I'm picking on you because you're the one that did it. But you get on social media, you listen to these shows, and they say, great win, but what happened to our offensive line? Golly, start with a positive comment. Just one, just one, and then move on. All right, there's my little rant for the day. It was Tennessee, by the way. It was Tennessee, Old Smoky, fall, third Saturday in October. Enjoy it. I had myself a big stogie after the game, and I loved it. Went by and saw my son, and he had one waiting on me. See, that's what I like about Saturday. You know, I, I, again, I go back to a point that Joseph made. Uh, where would this team rank right now in terms of uh, uh, of being in, of, of all the teams in the Saban era? And I, there's a lot of football to be played, and, and the story of this team really has has yet to be written. Uh, but uh, who knows? Uh, this. <laughs> It's just something interesting to think about. I don't want to go and say that I agree with Joseph, but uh, just on talent alone, 
especially at the at the skill positions, because uh, let's face it, Alabama's missed on some wide receivers and uh, and maybe some running backs and certainly some offensive linemen, but also you know at NIL and uh, transfer portal has absolutely depleted uh, the depth of this team. And so, and uh, yeah, and going to the NFL early uh, also hasn't helped, but. Lars and hey. Matt, let me let me query, query you this though. I may put this team above some of the teams that Bryce was at quarterback for simply off the fact that they now have a win over Tennessee and Texas A&M with LSU coming up. Some of those teams yeah. can't claim that. Absolutely, and I, I'll say this too. I, I think this is my favorite Alabama team because it's an imperfect team and they have to figure out ways to win. Just like we saw on Saturday, down 20 to seven at halftime. Season looked lost. What happens? They showed character, grit, tenacity. Got it done. And so you can tell Saban loves this team too. Absolutely. Hey, we need to take a break. Yeah. When we come break. back, if uh, you want to join Joseph on the phone, please do. I won't. I won't get all riled up again. Promise. It's two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. This is Big Noon Sports. Coming up next on the Stingray Show. On the Monday edition of the Stingray Show, we are going to recap what happened in the Tennessee-Alabama matchup here in Tuscaloosa. Plus, we are going to venture outside of the SEC and talk about that huge matchup in the Big Ten between Ohio State and Penn State. From all of us here at the Stingray Show, hey, have a wonderful and blessed weekend, West Alabama. Catch you guys on Monday. Tune into the Stingray Show Monday night from 7 to 8 p.m. Tune into the Stingray Show Monday night from 7 to 8 p.m. on Tide 100.9. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa. Weather. A very mild afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny. The high today, 79. Fair tonight, the low 57. And we stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Afternoon highs between 78 and 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 80 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. It is big noon sports. Thanks for joining us, and we're going to go straight to the phones. Start with JD, who has dialed in big noon sports. How you doing, JD? Hello, JD. I'm not sure he was able to hold on through the break. Let's go to George. George, calling from Macon, Georgia. How's it going, guys? Great, great. <laughs> y'all have going 
Hey, Thank you're you. uh, our, our, our favorite caller. How you doing? <laughs> Great. Yeah, just a few comments. You know, um, uh, you know, Milro, the guy has been hit so many times, and I'm not talking little light hits. I'm talking uninhibited, full speed on hit. And I don't know if y'all remember. Um, of course, I go back pretty far. Al Davis used to say, if you want to affect the quarterback, he must go down and he must go down hard, and that will affect his accuracy and everything else. And I guarantee you, uh, Jalen Milrow has been hit 34 times, and I would say half of those have been uninhibited, straight at you in the ribs type hitting. So in my opinion, if he can hit any pass, that's fantastic. And if he does go down and we have to go depend on our um, backups, we're in bad shape. But if you look at the whole, I mean, Jalen Miro has a good percentage of completions. And as much as he has rushed and hit, I'm surprised it's as good as he's got. I mean, I don't know why anybody would complain about Jalen Miro. He is not the reason. And plus, that interception that he did throw... That Not was on Burton. Fault. He hit him in the shoulder pad. He should have caught it. Yeah. And now, you know, in no that's way kind of my fault. No. And, um, you know, granted, he is off at times, but look at what he's got coming at him. I mean, yeah. He, any quarterback that's been hit as much as he does, when he drops back, that's got to be on his mind. But with that being said, you know, his completion percentage is pretty darn good. And, um, you know, you know, everybody says he needs to run more, but gosh, guys, what if he gets hurt? What are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Just don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, you hold your breath. And uh, and I think that's a big reason, and, and Matt and I have talked about this, George, that, that they're not uh, doing more quarterback design runs because they know precisely what is behind Jalen, and they don't want to go there. And so they, they need to keep him upright. Um, you know, but, but, but George, I, let me ask both you and Matt a question. What if, I, I want to play the what if game about if Alabama wins out. If Alabama wins out, what if Florida State is undefeated, wins the ACC? Ohio State and Michigan, one of them is undefeated, win the Big Ten. Washington is undefeated, wins the Pac-12. And then you have both Texas and Alabama as one-loss conference champions. Oh, wow. I'm That's just telling you, Alabama fans, you need to root for Florida State to get beat. You need to root for Washington to get I beat. Was. And you need to root for Texas to get beat one time. Well, if that I happens, think, Alabama's um, not going. Uh, yeah, the yeah, Alabama's not going. Well, I think a lot depends on if, you know, as much as a dislike it. I live in Macon, Georgia. I'm a big Alabama fan. And the Georgia fans are pretty verbal. It's hard for me to root for them, but we need for them to go undefeated till we play them in the um, playoffs. If we beat them and they're undefeated and they're ranked number one, that does carry, you know, it does um, tip the scale a little bit. <clears throat> but it would be what we do need for um, and you know what, I think if, um, you know, Michigan, they haven't played anybody yet, but I do think that strength of schedule is going to have something to do with it. But yes, 
we need to beat Georgia with Georgia being undefeated and Washington or Oregon or one of those teams that, you know, is undefeated needs to get beat. But, I, I, you know, and one, one part of me says you can't leave an SEC championship out of it. But then the other part, I think the committee would love to leave the SEC championship out of it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, I'll lean towards the latter, but I'd really, I'm not one of these people who think they, that that's what they want. If that's what happens, that's what happens. Hey, it's always great to hear from you. Take care of everything in Macon, Georgia. Appreciate it, George. Thank you. Enjoy your Thank show. you, George. The, uh, you, George. Matt, the SEC champ, as we know, has been in the college football playoff every year since its inception. So it's, it's almost unfathomable to think that Alabama would be left out, but it's possible. Well, you still got Georgia, you know, uh, if, if in fact, they can win out. But, um, boy, there are a lot of different pieces to that puzzle. Let's go to Ellis, who's dialed in Big Noon Sports. Ellis, thanks for hanging on. How y'all doing this, uh, this evening? Doing good. Uh, I just want to talk about all the negative negativity about the team and all. I get tired of hearing it. You know, uh, it is what it is. It's who Alabama is right now. So take what we got and go with it to the being negative. Ellis, tell it like it is. <laughs> why why ain't you guess... of hearing the negativity? Absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's something all the time. We won the ball game. Yeah, we had some bad, we had a bad first quarter. Yeah, we did. You know, bad first half. But we come back out and won the ball game. They didn't do nothing after halftime. No, so, and I think what really uh, aggravates me is that a lot of fans are enjoying it, and they're good fans, and, and they love beating Tennessee, but maybe the first thing out of your mouth should be how well Alabama's defense played in the second half and not how to, do you need to fire Tommy Reese, you know? Yeah. But you yeah. know what else, Ellis? This is not unusual. <laughs> this happened back in the Bryant days. Yeah. Uh, I remember... You know, I'm 59 years old, so I remember uh, the good times and the bad times. You know, so yeah, I'm right there with you. But this, to, this to negativity, just tired of hearing it. You know, and I uh, and I sure didn't like the Tennessee fans singing "Rocky Top" in the stands at Bryant Denny Stadium Saturday evening. That was just not right. You know, but uh, it didn't last long. The second half, they wasn't singing it at all. So, I don't know if you heard it, but uh, it I was awful they, loud. They played. They made sure TV showed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Great call, Ellis. I can tell you were my age. <laughs> yeah, roll tide. Roll tide. Matt, did you see the the Alabama fan run on the field after post game and absolutely get crushed by the security guard? Uh, Justin, did you see that? I didn't clip? see it. I don't think TV. If TV was showing it, no, I was, I was, tele, I was on radio television. Right no, it wasn't. Yeah, you were on radio. It was uh, uh, Justin. Did you see it? Man, it was I, now, I saw it, and I know. I think the day before there was that Phillies fan that got absolutely destroyed at the end of that uh, baseball game. It was worse yeah. than that. Like it was. Saban needs to I reach mean, out to this guy. And, and yeah, that security guard on. absolutely clocked him. Oh my goodness, <laughs> what a hit! I've got to go back and read and find that story. Before oh, it, it's everywhere. Top, yeah. Before we go to the top, let's take JD. JD, appreciate you calling in. Hey, 
sorry about that earlier. I uh, I wound up with a phone call, but look, as far as all the negativity, people don't remember the hard times before Nick Saban came. I don't think this is a bad team. I just don't think it was tailored to what we're used to seeing on the field. We are used to having blow it off the top uh, receivers. We don't have that. We're we're used to uh, we're used to having some real marquee players. We don't we don't have that formula this year, so we kind of got to revamp the way our offense is run. And when we do, like the second half of the Tennessee game, it runs like clockwork. And the other thing is our defense is probably one of the best I've ever seen. The only time they get worked is when they're getting worn out, when our offense is three and out. And then they start getting worn out, and that's when the points come. But when it comes to Milrow, everybody's talking about his inaccuracy. Look, the guy is a, is a, is a stud. He can drop a dime at 80 yards. But what he lacks is a little bit of finesse on the shorter passes. So it's either he's he's just not doesn't quite have that finesse. He gets that worked out. Look out. Alabama is the most dangerous team in the country. And they're two errors away from being completely undefeated. So all the boo-hooing and, and everything, when they start getting the, the right calls at the right time and everybody starts stepping up, uh, I don't think anybody will have anything to worry about. But I think we have a lot of fans that are spoiled and used to winning by big numbers. And winning is winning. Uh, you know, that's all there is to it. I, I'm proud of my guys. I'm more proud of them for, for showing the tenacity of, of overcoming a deficit and then throttling down than I am for them just blowing somebody out of the water right out of the get-go. JD, that's really well put. And that to me, that's exactly why I'd love this Alabama team. Maybe my favorite Alabama team because it's not the dominant teams of uh, of the past Saban years. And it's a, a team that has uh, warts and imperfections. But you know what? They're grinding it out. And they're in position to uh, do everything they hope to do. It's all still in front of them. I, when they, if they ever put a complete game from start to finish together, there's not a team better in the country. Mark my words right now. Second half of the uh, UT game, I think you're spot on. Hey, this has been my favorite quarter hour of our entire show. Thank you, JD, Ellis, and George. All wonderful calls. We got to get to the top of the hour. Nick Kelly of the Tuscaloosa News will join us. Also, remember, we are presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. It's back. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. The 49ers will have their star running back on the field tonight. ESPN reports Christian McCaffrey will play against the Vikings, but San Francisco will be without receiver Debo Samuel and left tackle Trent Williams. NFL media reports Chiefs linebacker Nick Bolton needs wrist surgery and is expected to miss about two months. Jets coach Robert Sala said corners Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed both remain in concussion protocol. In the NBA, ESPN says James Harden remains away from the 76ers and it's increased 
increasingly unclear if he'll play in the regular season opener on Thursday. In baseball, Astros pitcher Brian Abreu has a hearing to appeal his two-game suspension today. A decision will be made by first pitch of Game 7 tonight. And Georgetown announced first-year women's basketball coach and former Tennessee standout player Tasha Butts has died at the age of 41 following a two-year battle with breast cancer. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Indeed it is. Thanks for joining in. Nick Kelly, the quarter hour here. Your call is always welcome at 205-342-9904. In the Tuscaloosa area, of course, we come to you on Tide 100.9, but we're also joined by legendary radio station WTBC 1230 Tuscaloosa. Lars, I thought it was very, very cool and kind of unsaving-like except for the last year or two that after the game, he ran along the stands and went to the student section and you know gave them the fist pump and thanked them for being there. He, uh, of course, asked for this and asked for tremendous, you know, crowd support last Thursday on Hey Coach. By golly, guys, he got it. Yeah, and uh, I was talking to my uh, my former mother-in-law, who I'm still very, very close with, and she's been going to Alabama games for 45 years, and she said that was in the top three of, uh, of of loudest crowds that, that she's heard and uh, specifically the students uh, were just uh, according to her again I wasn't at the stadium but just uh, absolutely in in full throat and 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 really uh, just raise helped it did exactly what coach Saban was hoping in the second half raise the energy level of the team and make it more difficult for Tennessee to execute their offense so um yeah i thought it was a cool moment i can't remember the last time that nick saban went and saluted uh the students at at brian denny i don't remember it at all that certainly doesn't mean it didn't happen but uh, it's it's not something he does with regularity but i think he had more than justification for doing it now but uh they didn't rush the field okay tennessee they didn't need to do that yeah Alabama's one of four teams has never done that. And um, who are the see. other three? Uh, let's see. Kentucky has the most with six. Uh, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Florida. Boy, how about that recall from Friday? <laughs> yep. Those four have uh, never been fined by the SEC since they instituted these rules back in, I think, around 2000. Um, however, I guess this video has gone viral. The the one lone straggler who looked to be quite intelligent was absolutely sacked and dropped and dragged off the field at the 10-yard line. I guess most people have seen that video. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Looks um, excessive to me. <laughs> Yes, the uh, security guard uh, probably didn't need to go like full Lawrence Taylor on this guy, but but he did. And um, I'm, I'm surprised that he didn't separate this guy from his consciousness and just knock him out cold. But uh, was it? I thought he was. They dragged him off by a leg and an arm like a pork chop. <laughs> oh, I guess yeah. that guy will never do that again. Plus, yeah. it, was like, it looked to me like it was 30 minutes after the game. Yeah, the stands were empty. 
So um, so was the field pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the way so that Matt, nobody I, knew. Go ahead, Justin. Oh, sorry. I was just saying the way that I saw this story is that a lot of the uh, guys in the press box were back up there after the post-game conference writing their stories, and uh, they were so glad that somebody caught it on video because they don't know if they could explain what they saw and have somebody believe them since it was such a big hit. Yeah, yeah it, it looked like somebody just happened to have their, you know, their camera phone rolling and then they saw it right as the guy was about to clock this guy and they zoomed in so you could really see the impact but okay that's that's explanation and also tells you how late after the game this this uh, violent impact place <laughs> yeah. okay yeah uh, i think that warrants a follow-up story and, and we, we've discussed the story that i wrote a couple of years ago on streaking and and uh and and in the research i did for that and the people i talked to there were some violent hits but nothing like this i mean i i think this is a in the uh, number one in the hall of fame of hardest hits by someone <laughs> By, and by streaking, I don't mean taking their clothes off, but by running, just running on the field, and uh, and this 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 poor young man absolutely was. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say poor young man because hey, if you choose to do that and you're trespassing, and he probably spent the night in jail. Not probably, I, I'd say like ninety percent sure. Know. I think he probably spent the night in the hospital. Yeah, <laughs> he might have. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, I just like uh, uh, something I want to bring up really quick, uh, it, it, and we thought that this was going to be the case, but uh, it's been official that Alabama LSU is going to be uh, on at six forty-five Central Time on CBS on November fourth. Each team has a bye week. Uh, LSU absolutely manhandled Army sixty-two to zero. It wasn't unexpected. And uh, so it's, it's, it's prime time on CBS. It's going to be a real electric, uh, just uh, a wonderful environment at, at Bryant-Denny on November 4th. 6, 645? 645, yep. That's, uh, not 630, the, not 7, 645. It, it, it seems like an odd start time, doesn't it? But, yeah, it uh, seems like they're trying to allow the 2.30 game to wrap up because they don't last three hours anymore. We all know that. So yeah. That's probably an so, adjustment there. So that, that, that means you'll be uh, getting home at around... 2.30 or 3. Yeah. Yeah, because our post-game show goes on after Alabama's post-game show. But, uh, Just make you know, sure you get like, your uh, car serviced and detailed before... Ooh. <laughs> um, Do we want to go down that path? We don't. We don't. Um, Lars Carr broke down it's not like he ran anybody or anything it, like it, blown, up. Back Friday. it, it blown, blown up it done it done blown it done blown up he blew the transmission <laughs> coming out of turn four at dega and spewed all over the trial <laughs> um no and uh it presented a, a very interesting friday afternoon to say the least but uh yes. anyway uh lars is a smart guy he had his car under warranty what you I can't. I can't believe it. I've, I had totally forgotten about it. And, I can't uh, drive so, anywhere so, now without thinking something. It's going to save me yeah. about eighty five hundred bucks. Yeah. It's, uh, Get the warranty, everybody. Get the warranty. All those annoying warranties that you hear the ads and watch the ads about getting an extended warranty. 
But you got this from the place that you actually bought the car from, which is yes. always, I think that's a lock in. I, I, I love CarMax. I'm a CarMax guy. Uh, I got my... Really? I don't get it. Uh, it's just... Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I don't like I don't like the haggling. I don't I don't like doing that. Oh, so we need to get CarMax as a sponsor. Did you check it out yourself and run it by the scanner? Boy. Well, apparently I didn't do a very good job. I've, I've I've had that. I've only had the car like five months, and the trans what? blows. Uh, my generation, baby boomers, are fed up with this self checkout stuff. You want to read on social media there. Hey, let's talk football. Let's get back in gear here and talk Alabama, Tennessee, which we will do with Tuscaloosa News' Nick Kelly in just a minute. And it'll be sponsored by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group. If you fit. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very mild afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny. The high today, 79. Fair tonight, below 57. We stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Afternoon highs between 78 and 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports. Thanks for joining us. Nick Kelly will join us in just a moment. Um, it's an interesting day. It's an interesting week, Lars. What do you think about off weeks and in, in particularly relation to where it falls for Alabama, right between Tennessee and LSU? I think it comes at a perfect time. And Nick Saban referenced this in his postgame comments on Saturday that, uh, look, Alabama's run through a, a, a gauntlet here of teams in the SEC and uh, and played a, a challenging non-conference schedule, uh, including South Florida, which uh, was uh, more challenging than any of us thought it would be. But it's a uh, it, it's a grind for these for these players. You know, uh, we've talked about this a lot on the show. I, I have somewhat of a unique perspective from being a, 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 a professor at Alabama, and uh, just the schedule that uh, the players have. It's, it's get up so early every morning and uh, you have to have your academics in order uh, to uh, to stay in the good graces of Coach Saban, to put it mild. And, and I will say that I don't think I've ever had an Alabama player who wasn't a leader in the classroom uh, to, you know, different degrees. But, um, 
it's just a it, it's a it's a lot of work and it, it is uh, it's it's not just physically taxing it's uh, psychologically mentally taxing and so I think this comes at a really good time uh, and you know guys are beat up at this time of the year and uh, give their bodies a little bit of a break but uh, I think as as important as the the physical uh, aspect of it, right, of letting your body rest, it is just uh, it's just getting away from football for a little bit. I agree, one hundred percent. Nick Kelly joins us from Tuscaloosa News. Hey, Nick, it's Matt and Lars, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. How are we doing? Great. We were talking about an off week, but you're a beat writer, Alabama football other than not having a game and having Saban news conferences to attend, there's really not an off week. <laughs> not really, but I do enjoy on Saturday being able to actually just sit at home and watch games because I really don't get to do that much. Um, and when you're, when you're covering a, a football team, it's a lot of uh, just you're kind of dialed in on that one team. Um, you look at scores a little bit, you look at highlights, but you can't really sit down and enjoy what college football has to offer very often. I feel like I'm in a little bit of a, a tunnel, so to speak, uh, just focused on Alabama. So I, I really do enjoy uh, being able to watch some, some college football on a Saturday. Nick, you do such a wonderful job of uh, covering Alabama for the Tuscaloosa News. Um, and you know this team as well as anyone what was your just uh, something maybe uh, that surprised you uh, about Saturday uh, in just uh, in, in uh, maybe a, a player or two or just, you know, your what you walked away from thinking, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Well, I think the slow start for the most part was not what I was anticipating. Obviously, they have started slow at times, but from what I had heard, they had a, a good week of practice at Arkansas game kind of woke him up a little bit. That second half left a little bit of a bad taste. And so I, I had heard it been a solid week of practice. I thought they were going to come out better than they did. Um, and obviously came out pretty flat. But they rebounded. I mean, whatever team they brought out in the second half did not seem like the one they had in the first half. And, you know, I was talking to someone who was just messaging me about, like, man, they need to look at a change of quarterback. This is before halftime. And do they, need to, you know, make some changes? What's going to happen? I'm like, look, Jalen – because of his ability with the deep ball and how well he can throw it, uh, as long as he's playing, they've got a chance. He, he has the he has the highest upside, I think, right now in terms of he, he can take a shot or two and the game totally flips on its head, and it did. I mean, look at that touchdown to Isaiah Bond. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things where, in terms of what surprised me, um, honestly, if you want to talk about something that surprised me, those fourth down stops against a really good Tennessee rushing offense. Um Tennessee only need one yard. They've got some guys who can can lean on you. Got some, you know, some big guys uh, to get that yardage. And Alabama stopped them twice. And and the one the offense couldn't capitalize on, but the other one they totally did. And that was huge. And that led to their, uh, I think, the score that took the took the uh, the lead. So um, that was surprising to me because that Tennessee rushing offense is really good this year. Were you ever able to get a sense of exactly what Alabama did as far as adjustments at the half? Like, were they pinching on defense, or did they get more help to the left tackle? Uh, I don't remember Nick Saban going to exact detail. Most of what he said was mental. Did you, were there that big of uh, play calling adjustments? Um, I mean, maybe somewhat. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, 
I can pretend like I understand the great nuances. There's nuances of, uh, of, of scheme and, and stuff and tell you what happened, but I'm not a elite football mind, but, but I think there was some adjustments in play calling. Uh, we started to see some more design runs, I think, uh, in the second half and, uh, overall just a, I think a really solid, um, just, I, I guess I, I don't know. I think it was more mental than anything, uh, to me, but I think that kind of, kind of varies a little bit. So, uh, yeah, in terms of, I mean, I think it was just in the locker room, he, he challenged them and said, you know, how do you want this to go? And, and that woke him up and, and they have been a second half team. Sometimes it just takes them a little bit to get going. So, um, yeah, in terms of exact play call scheme, <laughs> I don't know if there was one thing, but I think that they definitely made adjustments, um, and things started working well. So Alabama's now seven and one on the season, uh, five and zero in SEC play. Can kind of take a deep breath with, with the bye week. As you reflect on these eight games, uh, is there anything that sticks out to you? Again, I, I don't want to ask you about it surprises again, but just your your overall assessment of this team. I think the the biggest surprise has been the just inconsistency to an extent. I don't, I don't know if it's a surprise or just just an assessment. I mean, I think at this point, you almost have to set aside what you thought this team could be or couldn't be and just sit back and enjoy the ride if you can. Um, it's, it's maybe not the, the best for the the uh, the health of Alabama fans, just how stressful it can be at times. But this is a fun team. I mean, it's a resilient group and, and a group that can make big plays. And if they can find a way to string it together all in one game, this could be a team that actually can compete for an SEC championship. Uh, of course, that that's a big if. But the, to me, it's it's kind of surprised me to an extent as well that after all the ups and downs and just inconsistencies and stressing out of Nick Saban that this team's done, they're still right there, seven and one, like you said, and and they have shown flashes of being a really good team. And to me, it's just kind of, when you look at the season as a whole, it's such a different Alabama-type season. But but if you can set aside of, okay, this is what Alabama's been or this is what has happened uh, in the past, if you go in thinking that's how it should be, then you probably won't be enjoying this that much. But if you go in thinking, all right, we can't maybe compare this team to other teams and just take this team for what it is, it's a fun football team to watch. Stressful at times if you're an Alabama fan, but a lot of fun things happening too, and make certainly makes it interesting and exciting a lot of the time. We, uh, Lars and I get the feeling that, uh, and I know he's loved all his teams. Let's let's not get too too uh, off our lane, but he really likes his team, doesn't he, Nick? I think so. I mean, he, he kind of joked that maybe taking a few years off his life, so to speak, but he's really enjoying it. I mean, he's smiling. He's uh, when you have a team that really, does, you know, didn't have the expectations of being number one, this is a team that can really kind of climb the mountain, so to speak. Because when you're at the top of the mountain, there's a lot of pressure with that, and there's a lot of expectation that you have to manage. You have to get on your guys to not get too confident. To me, I don't think he has to get on this team too much about being too confident because they've had reason not to be confident or reason to be discouraged. And so I think he can play more of a role of, of teaching and just encouraging and, and being positive, really. And I think that some people kind of miss the, the old fiery Nick Saban, uh, and he still got it when he needs to. But 
he's not being that necessarily in press conferences as much in part because that's not what this team needs. That's not what these players need. So he, he can be more of the, the guy motivating them to, to climb their way up the mountain, which is a totally different spot than they usually are in. Uh, so, I, yeah, he, he probably is enjoying it because it's a different type of challenge. Nick, Nick Saban does enjoy challenges. He, he really does. That's why he keeps doing this. And the fact that this is kind of a unique challenge for him, he probably enjoys a little bit of just the pure football coach in him. Nick, when you were walking out of the stadium in Tampa after the South Florida game, did you could you imagine that Alabama is where they are now? Uh, based on, uh, to me, that that was the most discouraging performance of the entire Nick Saban era. And I, I include, you know, year one losses to uh, teams that you never thought that Alabama would lose to just because of uh, where the program is now. Um, can you explain kind of what happened between then and now? Well, that's a good question. Well, first off, I, I was not walking out of that stadium because I actually was, uh, I had caught some kind of stomach bug. And, but honestly, by the end of, uh, so I was still in, I had to watch from Tuscaloosa. But I mean, I, I think a lot of other people probably felt how I did after watching that game. It was, it was that bad. I mean, the, uh, I think, I mean, of course, the obvious one is Gail Milrow has been the starter since, right? Um, and I think that game showed anyone who had any doubts that Jalen should be the starter. Um, and so then the, t- the team can rally behind a starter. And I think once you name a starting quarterback, I talked to a few former uh, Alabama quarterbacks about it who said that there's just this, this pressure that's lifted off your shoulders of, yeah, you can go play more freely because if you mess up, you're not getting yanked right away. Um, so I think that helps. And, of course, Jalen's made mistakes since then. He's, that's bound to happen. But, but I think that probably helps free him up. And it helps the offense build more of that uh, just rapport with the quarterback, build – build around the guy knowing that you're not going to have to wonder who's going to be back there each time and so i think that was a big difference maker um and also nick saban talks about don't waste a failing i mean that was a a pretty good failing so to speak uh and of course it's nice when you can win and and still uh after a day like that so you know your your wasted failure so to speak is it's not wasted because you have to win a game but i think that um I don't know if you want to say it's rock bottom because they did win, but that was pretty bad. Almost, I mean, in some ways it felt worse than the Texas loss to me, um, just because Alabama was at least competitive with Texas in the sense of like, yeah, Texas won, but that's a good Texas team. And, and of course, again, Alabama beats South Florida. You almost want to refer to it as a loss because it was so bad. But uh, just the way, yeah, that game went, went about was not good. So I, I think uh, overall, South Florida, there's a lot to learn from it. When you get that low, you can only get better from there, and they have. Hey, Nick, can you hang out for uh, one more segment? Sure thing. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Nick Kelly from Tuscaloosa News is on Big Noon Sports. We appreciate that. And also, we appreciate Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker from Advantage Realty Group. Nick, I want to step out of the Alabama vision here for just a second. How good is Missouri? I mean, this quarterback is 
second in the league in all the ratings. Yeah, well, you're talking about my alma mater, so that's uh, it. Kind of surprised me because I the only the Missouri I knew was not not like this. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of been a surprising season, I think, for me and for others who who uh, follow the team. I, I did not anticipate this. I thought it might be a little bit better than some anticipated, but uh, I thought maybe that was my uh, Mizzou colored glasses potentially. But um, yeah, I mean the the offense with Luther Burden. I mean. You know he's a talented guy when they got him. It was a huge deal for them to sign him. Uh, but having him, he's arguably maybe the best receiver in the league outside of uh, Malik Neighbors. And and so, yeah, I think there's lots of like there with Brady Cook. Didn't anticipate him being this good. Uh, the defense has been solid at times. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of pieces there. Running back, Schrader. I mean, there, there's <laughs> they might have a shot to compete for a spot in Atlanta. And that's not something that I would have ever, have ever anticipated coming into the year of course it's gonna to be tough to go to athens and beat georgia but without brock bowers you never know so it's i mean i'm gonna definitely be watching that matchup with intrigue yeah uh really surprising uh team in, in missouri and uh, a nice story um we're still 12 days away from alabama and lsu kicking off both teams have bye weeks this week uh, just your early thoughts on uh, the the kick at six forty five uh, going to be on CBS uh, a, a week from Saturday. Yeah, it should be a fun one. I mean, of course, it's probably going to decide the West. So certainly some big implications for it. Um, but LSU's offense is no joke. I think most people know that on the outside looking in. Jaden Daniels is in the Heisman conversation. Uh, the receivers they have with Neighbors and Thomas are legit. Um, so there's a lot to like about that offense. The defense, it's a mixed bag. Uh, of course, there's that, I think, what, 55 points given up to Ole Miss? Uh, so that was so that was pretty bad. So I think Alabama's offense is going to have a chance to score some points, but it's, it's a question of how many will it need to score to beat LSU because LSU is going to get their plays. I mean, they're going to make some plays offensively. Even though Alabama's defense is quite strong, uh, LSU's offense is just that good that they're going to score some points. Um, it's just a question of how many and how many of the offense will have to score too. So it, it could turn it into a little bit of a, a shootout. Who knows? But uh, I like Alabama's chances because of that Brian Denny and not Death Valley, but it, it could easily go to LSU. So it's, I mean, to me, that was the game coming of the year that I thought was going to be the toughest, even though it was at home. Uh, and it might live up to that. Of course, Texas was right up there in my mind too, but. I think LSU, this game will be the toughest, uh, of course, on the rest of the schedule um, as far as the regular season. But we'll see if uh, Alabama is up to the test. And, if they again, if they can play that all-elusive 60-minute game that they've been seeking, the cliche there, uh, they should beat LSU. But, of course, that has been harder uh, than it should be at times for this team. Nick, how did Alabama come out of Tennessee as far as injuries are concerned? I think they're fairly healthy. I mean, of course, Taron Arnold had that uh, concussion or minor concussion, um, but he was he was running off the field having a great time afterward. Uh, I caught a moment on camera where he looked right into it and yelled the phrase "lank," which is uh, let all naysayers know that him and Jail Miller like to like to tout. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think that he. I'm guessing he'll be okay by the LSU game. Um, Trez Marshall's got the the rib uh, deal going on that. Uh, he had talked to us earlier before the Tennessee game that he was feeling great and just getting treatment still and things, but he didn't end up playing. And I think it's just a case of 
when you get hit is, is ribs are just so I think tender, just sensitive. I don't know what the word you want to use, but wasn't quite ready for that game. But Jahad Campbell played really well next to Deontay Lawson, so we've got good depth there. Uh, if, Trez Marshall, if Trez Marshall needs a uh, another game or two. But overall, yeah, I think a fairly uh, healthy group right now, which, uh, of course, the bye week's going to help you know, some of the recovery. Like C.J. Dupree, he was you know playing through some stuff there when he got hurt in the uh, Arkansas game. Uh, but he came back. He didn't miss any time other than late in the Arkansas game. So he'll, it'll help him recover. Malachi Moore, of course, uh, just came back. So, uh, yeah, going to be an opportunity for some guys to, to rest up and obviously much needed for some. Nick, uh, we have spent an inordinate amount of time talking about Alabama's offensive line, particularly the left side of the line. What, what did you see on Saturday against Tennessee? Well, it's hard not to think about that that strip sack that Proctor gave up. Um, but that's a really – I mean, I think that was James Pierce, and that, that's a really tough edge defender um, for anyone, much less a, a true freshman SEC offensive tackle. Um, I think that there, of course, are plays that you see more than others, the ones that things don't go well, and there were those. Um, but there are also plays that went well where they picked up whatever Tennessee sent at them and – um, so I think it, it's a, it's a mixed bag for Proctor. It's a, uh, very much so <laughs> he, I think he is improving, uh, slowly but surely, but I think it's just the, they're gonna have to grit it out the rest of the season and, and hope that he, he just keeps improving. Cause I think Caden Proctor is going to have a really good career. Um, but him being a true freshman, uh, who hasn't, who hasn't had a full year in the, you know, strength and conditioning program, uh, it's just going to take him some time as it would most guys. And so, um, I definitely think that this is a great season for him to get experience, and, and hopefully that can translate to him improving the next few seasons uh, in the Crimson and White. When did he come in? Did he was he an early enrollee, or has he just been August on? Uh, he was an enrollee because he, he was. Sorry, go ahead. He was in the spring. No, he was in the spring, uh, and I've, I yeah, should know I don't. Spring. That's why I'm asking you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was in the spring. He played in the spring game. He had a much better spring game than Pritchett did. Um, that's part of why it was Pritchett's job to lose to an extent. I mean, he technically had the job, and uh, he he did not hold on to it. So that's the thing when people ask, you know, man, is there not a better option? I mean, outside of trying to switch someone, which I don't know if that's advised, uh, you really, you know, Proctor probably is their best option at this point. And just moving ahead, uh, talking about Proctor and uh, just other key players on this team and and, and heading into the uh, Tennessee game, I, I really thought the, that Alabama's left tackle was going to be the single most important player on the field. What are who are a few players as we, as we, uh, going into the bye week and then the final stretch here of the regular season? Who are some players that you are looking at that really could, you know, emerge uh, again in this final uh, third of the season or so? Good question. I think it depends on how hidden they have to be right now, so to speak. I, to me, an, an easy answer would be an Isaiah Bond. Um, obviously, he's made big plays. He just made a big play against Tennessee. Um, but I think just continuing to find more of a role for him of getting him involved because he's a very athletic player um got a lot of good speed um so to me it's yeah it's getting him a bigger role it's continuing to get jermaine Burton that role but um yeah it's and i think jihad campbell's another big one 
And of course, I'm picking some easy ones because they just had some big games against Tennessee. But uh, it, maybe to answer your question more, continuing to emerge is probably the, um, the label I would use. Campbell's made some plays, and obviously he showed he's very talented. And so I think continuing to find ways to use him uh, will be really key uh, down the stretch. And so, um, but yeah, I think uh, in terms of how hidden they have to be, Lars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I just uh, or, or maybe some off the radar, sort of, so to speak, uh, players who can 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 have key roles here uh, moving forward for the last, uh, like I said, four, uh, four or five games. Yeah, it's um, trying to think who else. I mean, again, Terion, I think, doesn't get talked about as much as Kool-Aid, but Terion's going to be huge. I mean, I think what, what, Yeah, can, can I stop you there real quick? To yeah. me, he, seem, he seems like a terrific player. And, uh, and I, I, it, again, this is just my assessment, that uh, he is not given the credit that he deserves. No, I don't think so either. And I think a lot of that is that Kool-Aid was, you know, he came on the scene fast. He got the cool name, or no pun intended, but he's, he's got the great name. I mean, he, uh, just in a lot of ways, he, uh, I think, was an easy, I don't, I don't know if star is the right word, but just an easy person for people to, to know and, and see. And then Kool-Aid played so well last year. I mean, teams did not do well throwing his way um, that he's just a well-known player. But, uh, and Terion, I think, because of some of the games he had last year where he got kind of targeted quite a bit and struggled at times. I think people maybe stuck with that narrative, but he's having a really good year. And the other thing that people forget is last year was his first year at cornerback. He was a safety in high school. Uh, so he's learning the position, but he's a great athlete. Uh, and, and he's a guy who can make plays, make plays in the ball. He's a solid tackler. I mean, he's a really good player, but he is going to be really key because a lot of teams don't like to go after Cooley as much as they like to go after carry on. And so Taron's going to have to step up, and, and he has at times, and he's going to have to continue to step up. And so um, especially the, this LSU game, I mean, people have talked about, been talking about it since before the season in terms of Alabama's secondary against these LSU receivers. Um, and I think it's going to – it's both sides have shown to be good this season um, in those respective areas, and, and it's going to be a heck of a matchup. And, and Kool-Aid's going to be so key in that because if – and Kool-Aid's going to be key, but Taron, I should say, is what I was trying to emphasize – uh, Terran's going to be so key because LSU has two guys who could easily be number one receivers on most teams. Um, so Terran's going to have to be huge. And, and I think you're right in that he is underrated and doesn't get talked about enough. Is he a fun guy as he would seem to be around? Yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> I, I think he'd be fun to hang out with. I think uh, he's quite the uh jokester at times and just a, a fun guy to, to be around so he seems to he'd be on the front of the line with a guy like tyler booker for a media good guy award all right hey thanks nick appreciate your time we'll talk again soon how can everybody follow you of course they can pick up the tuscaloosa news of course uh yeah at underscore nick kelly and uh tuscaloosanews.com for my work and others at the tuscaloosa news and uh yeah we'd love to have you join us and uh yeah thanks for having me guys Go Great Mizzou. stuff as always. Thank you, Nick. See you, Nick. All right. When we get back, we got to dive into a couple of the topics that we, we haven't talked about baseball, and I'm going to bring it up because I just was so absolutely dumbstruck by what happened at Michigan State. We'll go over that very quickly.
but I think it needs to be mentioned on Big Noon Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very mild afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny. The high today, 79. Fair tonight, the low 57. And we stay dry tomorrow and Wednesday. Lots of sunshine both days. Afternoon highs between 78 and 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, it is a Big Noon Sports kind of day for baseball. Starting here in just a couple of hours. You've got the Phillies and D-backs. Philadelphia leads that series 3-2. Go Diamondbacks. And then tonight, you've got the finale, Game 7, the American League Championship Series, as Texas takes on the Astros. Please come on, Rangers. Matt, give us your prediction for both those games tonight. Uh, They're both playing at home, so the home team ought to win, but I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen because uh, all of these series have proven teams good enough to win away. But um, that would be my immediate reaction to that question but uh then you know my personal views are that i want both away teams to win so we'll see series here you, you raise a really interesting point is home field advantage more pronounced in baseball or in football oh uh, gee i've never even thought about it there's I just, there's well i i think football because of the shape of the stadium and everything can have more in an influence like Alabama did against Tennessee, and that's because they can actually make the other team stop and refocus and perhaps even jump off sides. So that, but then also when you're playing at home where you've already played one, uh, you know, 82 games plus postseason, you're just more familiar with the dimensions of the park. And some are pitchers' parks and some are hitters' parks. So I guess I'll just use all of that verbiage to say I think it's a draw. <laughs> what a cop-out. I think That's maybe, maybe more, f- I, don't, I don't know. Anytime yeah. I want to say football, baseball, 
reminds me of how outfielders know their park and they don't know the other. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. It, it's a coin flip. I think of all of them in terms of ebb and flow, basketball can really influence because they're right on top of you. So, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyway, uh, probably not going to dwell on this for very long, but I, I read with disgust what happened in the Michigan-Michigan State game. Of course, the Wolverines just pounded the Spartans uh, by a score of 49-0. to zero. But during the game, a trivia question was posted on their huge video board, and that included posting a huge picture of Adolf Hitler. And it was at his birthplace. And the timing, I don't think, could be worse. But here's what I don't like about Michigan State. They've had all of these woes. How they allow that to happen? Well, you know what? They blame the third party. You know who's first party? It's Michigan State University. They're supposed to vet that kind of stuff. And they didn't. And I don't know if anything will come of it. I don't know if they can do anything about it. But, you know, that was just its more than ill timing. It's just, um, I don't know, lack of respect, lack of focus. Uh, you got to check those things, Lars. Yeah, and because of what is uh, uh, tragically going on in Gaza Strip, uh, this caused a lot of uh, anguish and harm, I believe, to the Jewish community uh, all across the country. Uh, we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism, including acts of violence, and uh, and to have uh, this image posted on, on the scoreboard is, is just uh, disgusting and uh, and should be, <clears throat> excuse me, dealt with swift, swiftly and severely. And Michigan State has suspended one employee with pay um, uh, after the image of Hitler appeared on the video board. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But it's just. Uh, uh, why, why do we keep talking about Michigan State and just all these all this garbage that is coming out of East Lansing? I mean, yeah, from and, the Mel and, Tucker and, thing, and you go uh, back to their Mel Tucker, doctor. the doctor. I mean, it, it's just one thing after the next, and uh, um, I, it's surprising uh, because when I think of Michigan State, I think of uh, Tom Izzo. Right, the 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 yeah. basketball coach, and and That's I and I, I and I yeah, he is a I, a I I really respect him. I spent time with him, and he is a, a man of integrity and honor. And uh, boy, I, he's just got to be disgusted by all this, like all of us are. All right, let's end on a more positive note. Last night, two Alabama quarterbacks faced off. It was tied at 17. Hurts appeared to be banged up, but Jalen comes back and leads Philadelphia to a 31-17 win over Miami. What do you think about that one? I think um, that this is what I anticipated. Jalen had a score to settle, and I know they're friends. It's a friendly rivalry, but hey, who, who did Nick Saban and the staff ultimately choose? Tua, and uh, this was the first chance that Jalen had to go toe to toe with Tua, and you know what? Not only did Jalen know that, but his teammates knew that, 
So I, I expected this, and and really the game wasn't even as close as the score. Philadelphia absolutely dominated that 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 contest last night. Who was favored going in? I don't even know. Philly by three. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I bet I bet my house on on Philly covering that. Well, hey, good news for all. I know. I'm going to get another house. All right, we're going to Bob's this afternoon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, did, you know, I, did, I didn't bet my dog and my kids and my girlfriend, but I did bet my house. <laughs> well, um, of course, you don't bet the things very close to your heart. And, uh, I'm <laughs> right. surprised we have not heard from Charlotte all day in a major upset. Yeah, Charlotte, um, she went for a, a bit of a, another free run, shall we say, this morning. Oh, wow. And, and uh, I think she's she's tuckered out. She's sitting right next to me, though. She's been asleep for the whole show. Hopefully our listeners haven't been pulling a Charlotte <laughs> and been asleep. But, no. um, yeah, good show. I don't think so at all, indeed. Uh, quick note on Auburn, man, they got to find some consistency at play at quarterback. It's just yeah, bad. it's hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Hugh Freeze in his post game press conference, he was just kind of at a loss for words. He's like, oh, maybe we're not doing the right thing with this platoon system. But uh, the thing is, each guy has their own skill set. Hey, but you know what, Auburn fans, Hugh Freeze is going to get this figured out for next year. Firmly believe it. Auburn's going to have a real high quality starting quarterback next season through the transfer portal. Yep. He'll get it done, but patience is required. All right, Lars, we'll do this again in 22 hours. Appreciate your time. Justin, thank you, man. He's our producer. Darn fine fellow. All right, that's Big Noon Sports for Monday. Back for Tuesday. Football. 